Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Untitled Themed Entertainment Design Show podcast. Uh, this is Andy Garfield here. Uh, Patrick is uh, still off for parental leave. Uh, and uh, for this one, Trevor Eldridge stepped in uh, to co-host the show with me and uh, also produce the show as well uh, about uh, freelancing and the current job climate. It's a really great show. We had a really fun time. And I thought it was a really great discussion. So uh, enjoy. Well, hello, Trevor. Hey, Andy. What's going on? It's nice to see you here sitting in for Patrick. Glad to be on board. Yeah, no, I know that uh, this is a show that you wanted to do for a long time, and I'm really excited that we finally have a chance to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, when I first came up with the idea for it, I didn't think that I'd actually be on the show talking about it. I thought it'd be in the background where, thankfully, CJ's taking the reins today. I don't know. I always imagined you would be on it. I mean, it's your idea, and, you know, you, you want to be part of the conversation, so it was never, I never thought you weren't going to be here. Oh, <laughs> I wish you would have told me that. Jeez, <laughs> I probably should have. You know, <laughs> awesome. Very well, awesome. it's great to see you. I'm excited to do the show uh, and talk about freelancers and the current job market. Yeah, uh, very simplified uh, title for a very big subject to get into. Um, and asked a few uh, key and fun people. I, I feel like to uh, kind of join us today and talk about what their experiences have been like and. Um, the whole impetus of the show is basically just trying to at least ask the questions, talk about what we've been through, and maybe we can help each other out, have some answers. But we'll see what happens for next week, part two, where we hopefully will be um, finding answers to some questions, even if we don't have answers today, um, about uh, personal branding specifically um, in this new, very weird market. Yeah, for sure. But first, let's get to the news. <laughs> ah, yes, the news. <laughs> I don't know if we have graphics or not for that, um, but right. uh, yeah, I think I think the, the the first thing that's most interesting to me was the uh, the postponement of the big move of Disney to Lake Nana, Nona, Nana. Um, I think it's Nona to uh, yeah. Disney, yeah, Disney Parks and Entertainment uh, Experience Products, whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty six, which. Yeah. Is is uh, in my mind um, sort of indefinite. I mean, twenty twenty six sounds so far away, but like I feel mm -hmm. like that date is so far off on purpose just to make it, you know, so there's maybe some plausible deniability that it's just kind of never going to happen. Especially, you know, yeah, if, you know, it's weird because it's it's a full four years from here, from right yeah. now. Yeah, you could go to college and be a doctor in that time, <laughs> which wasn't the original date end of 2023 i think so yeah the, the very initial one that was announced a year ago so that would have given them a year and a half and now it's a year later delayed a full four years from here so a five-year announcement ultimately if they do go to, according to the, the uh, current plan it's a full five years before the actual move date that they would have yeah, announced I, it. between you and me i think that uh i think it's not going to happen i think that uh i think that shapec won't last that long and whoever's next is going to cancel it I mean, there's any number of reasons. I've heard plenty of speculation, both internally and externally, but I don't know. Every every reason sounds valid to me at this point, whatever it might be, whether it's the political landscape, you know, internal arguments, you know, um, any sort of like, not dissension, but, you know, internal frustration. I mean, I get it, but I mean, it could be a weird combination of all those things. But yeah, we'll see. I Who knows? It's, it's definitely a dynamic situation, yeah. And uh, what other news do we have? Ah, Universal Orlando doing the uh, the announcement of the escape rooms for City That's right. Yeah, my whole Facebook lit up um, of people that have been working on that for quietly for the last year or so. <laughs> 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 it's like, ah, oh, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was actually thinking about this for the last few years that I thought that um, for like uh, Disneyland, uh, Downtown Disney, that some of those retail spaces that are a little, little bit more problematic to keep filled, that you can mm. do something like that. So now Universal just kind of like come in and just done it themselves. Show them how it's done one more time. Mm-hmm. Which I think will be great, which actually if I uh, we can talk about this when they're on. But I think Melody actually is working on that. I think she posted yep. something about this week. So, um yeah, we can talk about that in a bit for sure. I think it'll be fun though. Like the the fact that it's like, because uh, one of the first two, it's Back to the Future, which is you know a ride that is extinct at this point, and um, Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, Jurassic World, I think. Oh, Jurassic World. Jurassic Park. Okay. Yeah, Jurassic World. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm really curious to see what these are like. I'm, I'm working on uh, some escape rooms right now, um, hmm. doing doing music and audio and stuff like that. Uh, I I don't I don't. I don't know what kind of scale they're going for, how, like what the throughput is and like how many, uh, you know, how many different rooms there are, like how many different experiences. It's going to be really interesting to, to learn more as, as more is revealed. Um, I, I don't expect Melody to reveal anything uh, today, but I'm just curious. I'm, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle throughput and cost point and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it'll be cool. I mean, I'm kind of excited for it. It's that whole, it's that exploration of uh, smaller, more cost-effective uh, experiences, but out of Berm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really clever, really smart, and I think uh, you know, keeping keeping the money in the in the company, you know, even after you leave or before you go to the parks, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. I could totally imagine. You know, getting to Orlando after the parks close, but you know, you're hanging out at at City Walk, and you still want that Universal experience. You know, you can go and do the escape rooms and have Back to the Future times. Oh, for sure. But that's also. I mean, I'm still going to say that's a short term thing. I think that this is a proof of concept of how you can regionalize this, and you can kind of have these pop up. Who knows? Take over spaces and malls that are closed down. You know, take over an anchor store Mm -hmm. like a closed down Macy's, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people have been looking for ways to do that and and solutions to those problems. That's really cool, yeah. Well, speaking of Melody, why don't we bring on all of our guests, including uh, Melody Matheny and uh, Kira Prince and Teddy Leo. Mm -hmm. Hello. Welcome, you guys. Hi. What's going on? How are you guys doing? Hey. Thanks for being on the show. Very excited to see you. Glad to be here. Trevor, why don't you kick it off? All right. So um, everybody here has got a different type of experience, uh, first and foremost, just at the length that they've all been freelancers within the themed entertainment industry. So uh, Andy and Melody have obviously the most years on experience under their belt at this point. Kira and I are kind of in the same boat of being, you know, not fresh out of school, got a few years uh, for us. Um, but still, you know, early enough in our careers that, you know, there's, there's, uh, trying to find, uh, I feel at least for me, uh, trying to find a certain kind of trajectory. And then someone like Teddy, who unfortunately graduated at the beginning part of the pandemic and that has made for, and I've heard from a number of people, but hearing your story specifically, just how that has made it difficult to just kind of get the engine started. That's, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> so after that, actually, then, uh, Teddy, I mean, you had emailed me about this, but um, would you mind just kind of giving a little bit of um, what you've been experiencing since graduating up until now? Yeah, so uh, first, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, like you like you mentioned, I graduated in 2020. Um, a year before graduating, I started, you know, reaching out to connections, setting up lunches and everything in Orlando to, you know, meet with people that I was kind of getting ready to try to pivot into getting, you know, the first real job in the industry. And uh, then all of a sudden people started messaging me like, Hey, can we reschedule those uh, lunch meetings? My business is closing down for a few weeks till this pandemic blows over. And uh, it's been two years. So uh, obviously a lot's happened in there and a lot's happened in the industry and uh, just in the world and globally. Um, But one of the things I've noticed um, personally is when I graduated college, my plan was to pivot into those entry level, you know, internships and everything like that. And by the time those came back online now, um, it's been so many years that I actually don't qualify for those anymore. So now I'm in this um, kind of weird spot where I'm trying to figure out, like, do you go back to 
uh, like get a master's or try to go to community college or something like that to be able to or qualify again for these positions? Or, uh, you know, do you wait it out, um, pivot into a different industry? I've been working since I was in high school in comic books. Um, so I was lucky and fortunate enough that the comic book company that I've been working with had an open position after like a year of being unemployed um, during the pandemic. So I've been able to pivot into that and still get to tell stories and work with awesome creators and everything. But, you know, there's this uh, weird spot right now of, you know, how do you jump into the industry? Um, kind of how you guys touched earlier in the show. Um, where is the kind of center of the industry going to be? Is it going to be in Orlando? Is it going to be still out in California? Like where's Imagineering going? All these kind of variables that are kind of still up in the air as the industry comes back online. So I'm honestly super interested to hear what you guys um, think about this because I'm still learning tremendously and trying to figure it all out as we go. And uh, it's been crazy to try to do it in the pandemic and, and recovering from the pandemic. Can I ask a question? <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. jump right in here. <laughs> Teddy, what do you mean by you're not eligible for entry-level positions? What, what do you mean by that now? Yeah, so like the internships and everything, a lot of them uh, will have like you have to be eight months out of uh, either eight months gra recently graduated or still be in a like specific class or still be like a junior or senior in college. So now that I'm now two years out, um, like those internship programs, I don't qualify for. So a lot of times I'll get, um, you know, responses like, Hey, you don't qualify for this. And it kind of took me off guard at first. Um, but then those positions a little bit after internships, I've noticed that I've been falling into talking to recruiters and I'm like, Hey, listen, like we would have wanted to do an interview with you, but there's so many people that are willing to take like a, a, a role like this that they, they know they have the experience for a different role, but just because everyone's trying to get a job, which makes sense. Everyone has to, you know, pay rent, put food on the table and everything. Like we'll come back to you maybe in a few months or a year or so once we kind of, kind of the hiring craziness kind of rolls or like, you know, uh, it's a little bit less crazy, I guess, from right now. Um, so that, 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 that's one of the big problems I would say that's with uh, the bigger spots. So like Universal Creative, Imagineering, um, and then, the smaller studios and stuff, that's where it's kind of interesting of trying to figure out like where where do I go, Orlando or California? At first it was looking like, oh, I should try to more push towards Orlando, but every few months it seems like it gets delayed and maybe that's not the center, maybe people are gonna be split. So it's just kind of like figuring out who to make connections with in those other places, you know? Gotcha. Because I was going to say, I wonder if those smaller companies um, you can talk to more freely about your entry level position and they're not going to hold as tight to their original rules, their pre-COVID rules uh, anymore, you know. So anyway, I could go on and on with you, Teddy. We'll talk later. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and, and Melody, one of the things I've heard, because I'm sort of in this kind of in between Trevor and Teddy's situation where I, so I had a career freelancing before I went to grad school. Now it's been about a year since I've graduated from grad school. And a lot of the smaller companies, you know, some of them are hiring interns, but a lot of them are in a position where, you know, the ramp up from the work ramp up from COVID has been so like, you know, rapid and intense that they don't they don't feel that they have the time or the money to train people or bring people. And that's in that's in entry level positions and in internships. And so they're they're stuck needing to find someone immediately for a role. And they're like, you know, you'd be a great candidate, but we need you know, you, you need some shaping, you need some experience versus I can hire someone who has 10 years of experience and was laid off from WDI and I can hire them now and they can do the job. And that's kind of a, you know, a, a trap. that I think a lot of us, you know, I know I have several people, you know, in the same sort of situation. Yeah, I have heard that, heard that a lot. And I've seen so many um, positions uh, open that say entry level. And then you look down and this is requires five plus years of experience. Yeah. <laughs> How is right. that it's, possible? Exactly. It's, that, uh, it's, it's that trap of, you know, the, the entry level position doesn't seem to exist right much right now. You have internships which are treated like entry level positions. And then the immediate step up from that is like a five year experience role. And even things like project coordinator or executive assistant or things that you would think would be things that like, okay, you could jump into and learn on the job. You know, there's there's a whole line of people who have made executive assisting their career or project coordination their career, and you know they're in line with you too. So that's a, it's a real challenge. Um, and and speaking as someone who used to hire people freelance, you know I've I've been in a position of um, 
companies are like, you know, really stressed and put to the brink and have so many projects going on that, you know, the, it doesn't seem like there's time to, to search for candidates and put in the proactive work necessary. And so when, when a job opening does come up, they do, it's just, an, it's a mad scramble. Like, who do we know that can start tomorrow? Um, and it kind of causes a crisis because they're not willing to put in that, um, that effort early on, but at the same time, they're also sort of not able to. I've found that that's pretty typical over the last decade though. I don't think that's post COVID. I think everyone oh, no, yeah, realizes sure. they need a freelancer. They, it's <laughs> at the very 11th hour and then they're freaking out. So, <laughs> right, Andy, is that been your experience too? Oh, for sure. I mean, and it's funny. Um, I was thinking today, this morning, whether or not I was going to uh, talk about a certain experience that I've been having with a certain company, which I will clenchingly refrain from naming. Um, <laughs> I will um, last year, like about nine months ago, um, I had a company, uh, a well-known company, breathlessly email me telling me that they had a project that they needed me to work on starting immediately. And I was like, okay, great. I'm, I'm available and let's, let's do this. And then I was, I signed the NDA and I waited for the materials and I never got them. And, and then it was complete radio silence and they completely ghosted me. And then just uh, a lot uh, like a month ago, completely different people from the same company breathlessly emailed me telling me that they had a project they needed me to start on immediately that opened in like six weeks, which is impossible uh, and turned out to be impossible. Uh, but then, you know, they, they, you know, everything is all hot and heavy in the beginning. And then, you know, after two or three weeks, radio silence you know and uh we talked in the prep show on uh, the, the prep call that for the show about uh being patient and and you know you can't make people email you back <laughs> about projects you know if they if they go away or whatever and you know it's a weird experience you know i've been freelancing for my entire adult life um you know 25 years or so and it's amazing how this stuff still happens to me you know, and uh, it's 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 bizarre sometimes, and there's nothing you can do about it, like literally nothing. Yeah, and it's the that lack of communication, a communication barrier, has seemed to have become more of an issue over time. At least comparing my experience in film to com uh, comparing it to now, where there is this trend, it seems, where you know we're looking for people, and you know conversations start, and then something happens on there and the project goes away or, you know, they realize they don't have the money or, or whatever, but there, there's, there's no communicating that back to, to the people that are looking for jobs and the person looking for jobs is kind of just like twiddling your thumb and like, what happened? Um, and then you, and, and also because they're so busy when you reach out, you know, your, your question about whether or not there's a, a job is not their number one priority and just kind of slips down further and further on the priority list. And the, the freelancers just kind of looking around going like, okay, what's happening? All right. I mean, a lot of what this, Andy, hmm? you want to go? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the because I mean I've got plenty of my own stories about you know someone who they emailed me after having half a dozen conversations with me. They offered an hourly rate. They offered a start date, and then I responded with you know because it's a negotiation phase. You know, like oh how about this rate, and I can talk tomorrow about this, and then just radio silence and mm -hmm. it just goes away or owners of companies who text me and they're doing an avail check on me because they've got a project that came up with a short timeline and I say that I'm available and then I hear nothing. So, I mean, we can all go on all day about all the experiences where we've, what we're talking about here is being ghosted by potential employers, but really it's like what I think if there's anybody from any company who has any hiring, hiring power, who's paying attention right now, or for any freelancer who's been through this, I think the thing that we're really asking for is, and it, it, it takes more time and energy, but some more care for the people that are in this industry. Because even though they're not working for you right now, they could potentially work for you in the future. And I think that the worst thing that can happen is if a potential candidate ends up getting burned by that potential employer that maybe they just never end up wanting to work for them in the future again. Or if they do, they've got a bad taste in their mouth and they don't trust the relationship. Because in the end, I mean, we say this all the time at every mixer and every event, this is a very small industry. So I think that whether you're, you're paying somebody or you're being paid by somebody, no matter what, we all just need to make sure we're taking care of our relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that lack of transparency is also a huge barrier to diversity and inclusion initiatives. 
because you know if you know the longer someone everyone that's trying to freelance only has you know a certain amount of emotional bandwidth only a certain amount of financial bandwidth and like once those things are worn out like they're out of the industry they have to go find money or they have to do something that like doesn't make them like cry in despair because they've been searching for three years they can't find anything you know and so that's that's a huge barrier and you and once those, when you're basically eliminating those people from your pool, like over time, and then the only people are left are the people with, are with relative levels of privilege who can either afford to do it, who have the mental health, you know, uh, wherewithal to do it, that the family support. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm cognizant of that myself. Like I, I'm lucky enough to have family that lives in Orlando, and I can hang out with them for a while while I'm trying to make this career transition. But not everyone has that, um, and that's a that's a huge barrier. And I think. You know, that mentality of like we need to find someone right now like it's it's understandable but it's essentially you're kind of acting like as a filter feeder you're just kind of grabbing like whatever happens to come across your way when you need it and it's there's a lack of intention there but if we're tr really trying to create more diverse work a more diverse workforce and trying to you know be more intentional about what we want this industry to look like going forward like those are things that we really have to consider yeah, early on in this show, I mean, like by that, that I mean, like two years ago, when Patrick and I started doing the show, we we started, we talked, we talked. One of the first things we talked about was the barrier to entry and the privilege uh, that's often required to sustain the, you know, the search uh, and the transition uh, into this industry. If you're new, you know, if you're just graduating, you know, you, I mean, you have to have a certain, the way the industry is set up, you have to have a certain amount of support network underneath you to get you through, you know, to the next gig or the next job or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, and even just to get into the industry, it's just like to meet people, you know, you used to just have to go to IAPA to, to meet all the people that you needed to meet to network and whatnot into EA events and whatnot. But like TEA events are usually in just a f few cities, you know, Los Angeles or Orlando or whatever. And uh, so there, there's always been this sort of barrier to entry, you know, with, with a certain amount of privilege required. I have a question from my perspective. Obviously during the pandemic, when I first started trying to reach out to people and everything, it was all digital, right? Like every, pretty much all of the, you know, uh, conventions and all of those um, meetups and everything were were canceled. Um, and one of the things I kept finding was trying to leak or like reach out on LinkedIn and on social media and everything, but doing it in a way that was like respectful. Was, you know, it's hard to ask someone if if they can look at your portfolio or if they know if there's any jobs open when you know that like they're probably also looking for a job right now. Um, so it's like trying to find this balance. But have you guys noticed that the industry is just going back to all those events? like in-person events, or is it kind of blending of like taking some of those digital um, experiences and, and meetups and also still having those like in-person? Cause like someone obviously um, from like the Midwest obviously can't get down to Orlando like every single, you know, month to go to these things. Like, do you see that they're keeping those in-person um, events only, or are they kind of just doing both the digital and in-person? From what I've seen, yes. everyone's racing to go back to in-person events because we all miss each other. And yeah. uh, everyone's super excited about that. And so everybody's showing up at the in-person events. But I also have seen um, many companies and, and individuals as well just really get a lot more open-minded about doing digital interactions. I mean, way more than two years ago. I don't know. What's, what's y'all's experience? Well, as somebody who's been flying to each coast for the past five months as much as I possibly can for mixers, um, I think that it's a, a hybrid of, of both, Teddy. I honestly think it is. I think that there are certain situations where uh, a virtual meet and greet or just reaching out on LinkedIn and having a messaging conversation with someone is more than okay um, and more than beneficial. And obviously, you know, ideally a, a free solution to, uh, to the question, but then there are instances where, and it's, it's hard to predict, but there are definitely plenty of instances where it's important to actually be there physically in person. Um, I can think back to the beginning of the year, the first, um, TA mixer after, uh, the new year was, uh, at El Cholo in Pasadena. And that one, that one felt more like a family reunion than it felt like a professional mixer. It was just everybody was hugging and I'm sure 
a few people caught COVID because of it. Um, but it was a great night where, you know, there was probably 200 people and it was our first time together in a solid two years, but it was awesome. It was something that you just needed to be there for. And then there have been a couple of other mixers where I went, this could have been an email. Yeah, I think, I think we're all trying to figure out what are more, uh, what are additional online ways to network. And I think there's some, th some barriers to that too that are pretty subtle. Like for instance, like I know for me personally, like I'm always nervous to reach out, reach out to people on LinkedIn because there are the people out there that if you like, if you try to re reach out to them, they're going to be like, <laughs> and, you, and you don't want to be annoying them. And and, um, and there's a lot of other people I know who like have expressed like, oh, I wish you would have reached out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and and it, as someone who's also hired people and given advice on LinkedIn, that, you know. I think some of the barrier could be reduced if the people who are actually like interested in talking or wouldn't mind talking, like would make that publicly known rather than the onus always being on the person searching for work or searching for advice. Um, Cause I think just, just that, uh, cause sometimes you don't even know who to reach out to and that just the, like small changes like that can, you know, help. And, and the TA also to their credit has done a lot of work to try to make mixers happen in more locations. If there, there is that, that regional mixer initiative, which I, I, have, I have not had a chance to go into any one of those initiatives, but it is you know, a step towards making things more locally accessible. Well, I'd also like to add that that's literally why we started TETV, which was to give people, uh, young people and people new to the industry, an opportunity to network with uh, each other and our guests, was so that anyone from anywhere could come in and volunteer and work on a show, you know, produce, do graphics, like what have you, and everyone had access to everybody. So, you know, and especially the people who were hosting and producing shows, you're meeting all these guests and these great people like, like Melody. And, uh, and all the, you know, the day in the life shows and everything It's like, you know, and, you know, I don't know, I think all the volunteers that are left are, are on this show right now <laughs> behind the scenes and Trevor, you know, <laughs> we don't have a lot of shows running right now, but like, man, at one point we had 50 or 60 people. And I think, I think all of them left because they got jobs and even CJ and, uh, Charlie who continue to produce this show also have jobs still, but thank God they decided to stay. <laughs> But yay for getting jobs, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and and like Patrick and I were like proud parents every time somebody would sheepishly send us a, a note saying like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I got a job. I can't do this this stuff anymore." And we're like, "No, this is great. We're happy for you." <laughs> yeah, I have a similar experience. Andy running Slice Creative Network. You know, it's a for those who don't know what Slice is, it's an online network for creative freelancers working in the themed entertainment industry. And it's the same thing where like, when we have a ton of uh, members, it means that a lot of people are looking for work essentially, right? So when our membership shrinks, I'm actually more happy because it means that everybody's working and doing really great out there. So it's, it's the same kind of bittersweet thing, Andy, that I have with Slice. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, I'm just thrilled. Um, oh, I'm so glad. I uh, just looked at the comments. I'm so glad that Jason McManus chimed in because I was going to invoke him. Um, um, uh, thanks for watching the show, everybody. Michael Libby and Damian Montanil, everybody. Hi, everybody. Um, I should look at the comments sooner. Um, oh, there's a bit there. But while you're doing that, I actually want to second one thing that you said, Andy. I think that it is really, um, it is a great thing uh, volunteering with TETV to, like you said, to be able to network with people that we otherwise would not have naturally kind of cross paths with so it's good to I kind of almost have an excuse to be able to make a connection with somebody so whether it's that whether it's tea whether it's slice i think that um teddy that's also another big thing is just get involved you yeah. know it's, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a two-pronged thing where it's where it's like yeah there's kind of an, an agenda of i want to meet people so that hopefully professionally things will advance for me but as long as it's this is something that i've always personally believed is that if you can kind of have the the relationship be a two-pronged thing always both personal and professional then um that helps from things seeming disingenuous but again we all always need to kind of lean on each other anyways and help each other out when when you know one of us needs it you know i help you out one day and then you know a couple years down the line you help me out so um but getting involved is just the, just the way to start in the you know to begin with in whatever way it is you know, it was interesting you guys talking about like making TV and everything. I remember when I was 
about to graduate, I saw Patrick posted, hey, I'm about to start the show, like, so you're about to graduate. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I need right now. I was like, what am I supposed to do when this, like, just shut down all of a sudden? So, like, since then, like, I always, like, tune into the show and everything and, and like, listen in. Like, just from my perspective, like, what you guys have all created with this thing has helped me tremendously. I have to say, like when I remember filing for unemployment the day I was supposed to be graduating and I was having like a party and stuff. And like, I was sitting there with my roommates and we're like, okay, so how do you work this government site to try to make sure we get unemployment and everything? And like that night I had a reminder that was like, Oh, for first episode or whatever, of this new show, like I'm going to go watch it real quick. And like, I remember just thinking like, okay, think of there's, there's like some resource out there that I could go to and like, listen to the show and someone get like, some guidance because early on I felt like I have not like everything that I had planned and thought like okay I could do this and then I'll do this just like I've thrown out the window in like a few like day period I was like what do I do so this for me this this whole TTV has been like a- amazing every time there's a new episode I've always like tuned in because it's it's been perfect for it was it's literally exactly what I needed in the time that I needed it so I can't thank you all for enough to, to putting it on honestly well, it feels really good. Thank you for saying that. That's that's nice to hear. Sometimes yeah. I feel like we're just yelling into the void. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, Andy, you're one of my favorite. Every time you're talking about stuff, I'm always like, oh, I can't wait to hear what Andy says about this. Oh. This is going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> wow. I, I said like my, my unhinged, uh, my unhinged hinged rant a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> ahead of the uh, the review. Um, I, I'd like to address John Kelton's question. CJ, if you could bring up the most recent question from uh, John. Um, I, as someone who, who lived through uh, 2008, 2009 as well, um, I and, and Melody, obviously, too, uh, I don't know. I feel that it's very different this time around. Last time, projects um, uh, just completely evaporated and then then it, I don't know, it, fe- it feels different. I don't know, Melody, how do you feel? Does it feel different this time from that time? Because it, it feels different for me because like that felt like a very sort of like, uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to, I, I should have thought about this more before I brought it up. Um, but, um, and uh, Teddy's going to regret uh, hoping to hear what I have to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I just, I think that, okay, I'm just going to say that this time feels different because, um, I was I was still working during the pandemic. I was very lucky to still have two projects in 2020. And then 2021 was very difficult and things are just now picking up for me. But it feels like things um, in 2008, 2009, things just completely evaporated and entire projects and entire companies just completely evaporated. This time it feels like a lot of stuff is just put on hold and some people continued working. Uh, there was a contraction obviously, but like, it feels like things that were planned for two years ago are now coming back online rather than just having completely evaporated. And it just feels like there was like a, just a hold. Everything was like a long holding pattern. Um, and you know, there's a lot of ramping up happening right now. It feels like to me, I mean, I'm starting to get calls and doing RFPs and, and ROMs and things like that, uh, for projects that, you know, you know, I thought I was going to be doing two years ago. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to the two, 2008 versus COVID uh, comparison, but I am a little concerned about what's happening in the economy, like right this second and what might happen moving forward. Um, there's a lot of talk of a housing cr- crash coming sometime soon, and we know that there's, you know, the rise of like extreme political political extremism, and you know, I think all of that is bubbling up and could very well result in another economic crisis. That I think that's that's really concerning to me. Um, but the the COVID COVID immediate impact seems uh, to to be a little bit less uh, concerning in the short term. I'm not sure how it's going to spell out in the long term. I kind of feel like that's always the case though, Kira, like the country and the world's kind of always experiencing some kind of drama. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like we're going to be always be in this situation. Um, but I, I do feel the same way as you, Andy, in regards to comparing this to 2008, 2009, I had the same exact experience where 2008, 2009 just bottomed out. And like, I had to work in the wedding industry uh, you know, which was great. And I loved it. I'm not knocking it at all. It was great. But, was um, many, many you know, yeah, I had to completely switch industries and just make money wherever I could until that 
flew over, which was a long time. And this this time was a lot different. Like you said, there was just uh, it felt like things were being held on by a very thin string. But that when it's when it came back, it's now growing exponentially very quickly. And, and I didn't remember that happening in 2008, 2009 at all. No, so, I you know, I was doing. Yeah, I was doing a lot more work in film and television in 2008 and, and video games as well. I had a, I was I was signed signed on to do a, a really big AAA video game um my first in a long time and of course it went away. Just went gone like that. And um also a major uh, movie I was supposed to do as well that also just went away overnight and uh you know it was devastating you know i was just doing so i started just i was just doing like trailers here and there and and commercials and things like that i would normally have never done not because they were beneath me but because i never spent the time searching out those kinds of jobs um but um yeah it was really difficult it was a really difficult time yeah this is this feels a lot different and especially the the general I don't know. Mood feels different. I think everybody is a lot, you know, um, there's a lot more positive, the positivity, um, out there, I think, than, than it was before where it was just like, everybody just felt beat, beat down. Mm -hmm. And it's coming back so fast. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I see, I see so much happening, steamrolling right now. And, and it wasn't like that before. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, I think now everybody has a sense of like, let's let's try to get back to normal or a new normal at least. You know, like um, everybody wants to, you know, go back to, you know, you know, working on great projects with great people and, you know, figuring it out and how to make it work. Yep. Great well, talking about all that, um, then for Andy and Melody, if you want to talk about it, like what was. What was it like in the early years of your careers of basically trying to get the attention of companies and try to land work, whether it was, you know, longer term work or, you know, three months, six months, that sort of thing. What was it like back then? How is that different from now? Well, I mean, I can say that the kind of climate uh, that existed then is never going to be seen again. It's just like, it's just completely different now. The industry is so much bigger. Um, and there's so many more people, so many more companies, you know, when I was in college, you know, I, you know, I literally, I've told this story on, on, on the show before I hate to repeat myself and I'm not trying to brag or anything. It's weird, but like, I literally just asked buddy Baker, uh, how do I get a job in Imagineering? And he opened up his black book and gave me a name and a phone number. He said, call Glenn Parker, tell him I told you to call. And the next week I worked at Imagineering. So like that doesn't happen. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, that does that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Can, uh, and, do you, can you give me the phone number of the fairy godmother? Because you clearly, <laughs> clearly have a connection. Okay, like I said, this was 1994, 95. Uh, I mean, it was before the internet and well, not before the internet, before the World Wide Web. Um and all of that, you know, and networking was done in person, just like that. You would, you would, you know, had the like because I was at USC, I was privileged to have the access to somebody like Buddy Baker, who could just tell me who to call, and then that person's like, "Oh, Buddy told you? Sure, I'll we'll find something for you to do, I guess." You know, and then um, the way that I met Dave Cobb um, was very organic as well. You know, I was. Um, um, I was assisting an architecture professor of mine uh, in researching a book on theme entertainment as a way, as a very sneaky way to like have an in into the theme entertainment company. So I have a reason to go in there and talk to them uh, because I was doing research and I was pulling images and uh, getting glossy eight by tens from them to include in the, in this like glossy cocktail, uh, cock, cocktail tape type Coffee, coffee table, table book. coffee table book. I'm just my mind goes straight to cocktails. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> coffee table book. Um, but um, and so I was going to I was going to landmark uh, and and meeting the people there and getting information and and photos and and one of the people that was assigned to go through the archives with me was Dave Cobb and we became friends and I became friends with other people there as well and um, and then four years later. Um, Dave called me and was like, Hey, we need, you know, emergency music for this, this men in black ride that I'm working on. Can, are you available? Can you do it for this ridiculously low, low price? And I'm like, sure. 
And that's how I got to do the music for the Men in Black ride. So it was no, it was a no bid process where it was just literally Dave Cup picking up the phone and calling me and saying, "Do you want to do the music for this for this eighty million dollar ride?" <laughs> so well, things like that don't happen anymore. I mean, like the bidding process for Universal in particular is worse than bidding on you know things to the military. It's 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 absurd. <laughs> you laugh because it's true. It is. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, the, like the bidding process that I went through for Beijing for Universal Beijing was was draconian and unpleasant, and I didn't even bother with Epic Universe. So, you know, I knew, I knew I knew that they weren't gonna. I knew they weren't gonna choose me, and no matter how low I bid, I knew that they were gonna hire David Knieper, and I'm sure they did. I don't know, but I knew that they were gonna go with the normal people that are already in Orlando. That you know that they've always worked with. But I think your comment about, um, about like being with other people and just creating this relationship in real life is very yeah. powerful still today. And I just, it just happened to me a couple of days ago, we had like a little impromptu slice mixer thing and it just, things kind of happen organically where like you're talking to people and you realize, oh, you do that thing that I need to do in my project in a month from now. Oh, we should talk. Oh yeah. And it's like these things happen all the time. So um, back to your question, Teddy, about in-person events versus virtual. Um, you know, in-person events are just completely invaluable. Like, like you must you must attend them. Yeah. And I think having you know your social media presence is really important to get people to know your name and just have it click really quickly is is very important. But definitely attending in-person events is where it's at. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to 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 say that like in that in person networking isn't important anymore because of the you know things don't happen like that anymore. But Melody, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, these these kind of organic uh, meetings where you're like, oh, you do the thing that I need. Let's talk in a month or so. Absolutely, still happens. But you know, there's a lot more steps in between now than there used to be. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, Andy. I know one of the things we talked about in the pre-show for this was. Was you know was that challenge of on of existing in that online personal branding space now where you simultaneously want to say hey everyone look at me but you also want to be very very cautious about what you say so you don't attract the wrong kind of attention and you know either look like you're bragging about yourself or hurting someone's feelings or not being grateful or you know the list goes on um, and I think that's that's a really interesting challenge that that I found is you know how how do you get that balance and how do you you know, walk that tightrope of having something interesting to say that gets people to pay attention to you, and, but not not so interesting that they're like, oh, that I don't know that that's that's a fanboy. I don't want to talk to them or 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 whatever. I mean, that, that's a problem child, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think that social media, like, I have a lot of thoughts about that. You know, we talked about in the pre-show meeting. Um, you know, I think that it's really important to, like, for your public social media, like, for me, like, Facebook is is different. It's all, like, per close personal friends that I've met in person. But, like, my Instagram and my Twitter is, is for public consumption. And, um, you know, Instagram in particular, because I have my business Instagram, um, I always try to post from a position or a... a, a uh, perspective of gratitude, you know, so like I work on a project, I'm grateful to have worked on it and I'm grateful to work with these people. I'm grateful to, you know, be in this industry and have these experiences and whatnot. And it's, uh, I think that's really important, um, for public facing social media. And especially, I think, you know, if you look at the social media, the kinds of people, you know, like really higher up, like, you know, uh, executives and whatnot, and, and the kind of posts that they make, you know, they're, they're, you know, there's, and uh, I, I'm referring to, I think one of those people that does really well is, is Jason McManus, who is hopefully still watching the show. Thank you again for commenting and watching. Um, I has mastered this point of view of like, isn't this crazy that I get to do this and I can share it with you? Like, come on along for the ride. Uh, I think is a really incredible voice that he's developed uh, on social media. And it, it comes from a place of gratitude and it's really impressive. And I think that it's, it's a really fine line to walk when, you know, you need to have some sort of self-promotion out there, um, you know, but not overstep your bounds and not, um, piss people off or make people feel jealous. It's really hard. 
That'll be fun to dive into next week when we talk about personal branding. Yeah. Because <laughs> what we get to deal with now, as those of us that are early in our career, are not only meeting people, but also trying to have that that good presence. It's have a good resume, have a good mm -hmm. portfolio, a good website, a good business card. Do well, you know, be personable, do well at, at mixers and other, you know, in-person events. Uh, and then have a social media presence, number one, because if you don't have one, you're suspect. Um, but then what you do have on social media is a whole other thing. Like you have to be your own marketing machine at this point. And it's exhausting. You got to be really good at this whole job of getting a job and then also be good, if not great, at the job you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. It's enormous, like, emotional toil and, uh, you know, just like an energy toil because you could be spending all your time, you know, trying to make your skills better, but instead you're spending all the time, you know, trying to market yourself and make the connections and uh, managing all, all of that. Yeah, I would say that freelancing is doing three jobs at once. You have to get the job, do the job, and get paid for the job. Those are your three jobs as a freelancer. And, you know, they're sort of, you know, from time time and again, you know, each one of those can be a full-time job. You know, even, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of, of failing at, at several of them at, at once. You know, it's like, especially when you're focused on doing the job and you forget to try to get the next job and you finish that job, you're like, oh no, what's the next job? And I, how, where, where have I gone wrong? I mean, from my perspective, freelancing is all about relationships. Yeah. And part of your social media, you know, efforts is all about creating those relationships with people and getting them to trust you and understand what you do and your work ethic and everything you want them to understand. And I've found, as well as a lot of other um, veteran freelancers, that once you have established uh, a lot of those relationships in a lot of different companies and with the people, creative directors, art directors, people in decision-making positions, you know, that becomes less of a priority in your life in general. It's like, I, I don't have to, thankfully, I don't have to keep, you know, staying on my social media constantly and advising people what I do um, because I have those relationships now. And now it's more of like, hey, bro, uh, what you working on? As opposed to, let me figure out what to write on social media. Ah! Yeah. Well, yeah, and there is like a catch twenty two there because I can certainly really, you know, it, from my from my film experience, it's like, like ultimately the best networking happens by working with people on a project, and like that those are the people that like you end up like getting really like acquainted with and, and know and know really well. And so there is a little bit of a catch twenty two is like, well, the best networking networking is going to happen like once you've actually like been in it and gotten those first few gigs, um, and and the process before then is very very different, and it's a lot much more like. I need I need everyone to like have my name in their face so like we can we can like start building those relationships. That's right. Yeah, I mean I always say that my marketing department is my previous clients, you know, hopefully hopefully I've done a good job and they're happy with me and they'll recommend me to somebody else. You know, that's I think my best marketing, you know, because you know, shotgun marketing and theme entertainment for a composer and sound designer is, you know, I think you know, difficult at best. <laughs> it's a very niche thing. And, and, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, people who work in, you know, the concept and development, uh, where, you know, there's way more artists needed than composers because, uh, you know, a small percentage of projects actually get built to the point where they need music. So there's a lot less of us and, you know, it's, it's, it's very much more rare that a composer will be higher than an artist. Um, I was going to say, I think that one of the other things that's also really difficult um, and not to turn this into like a circle around Teddy and teach him all the things that we wish we would have known. But hey, if that's what you get out of this, then great. Um, I was, my question, I, I need to listen. Anyone oh, have? More than glad to listen. <laughs> yeah, I was, that was going to be my last question. Do you guys have any advice? So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and another huge part of it, and this is the thing that like we kind of don't have a say in the matter, uh, whereas, you know, companies uh, hiring do, but the not just like your your skill set in your networking and building your relationships, but a huge part of it also is just being consistent in it. I mean, I'll admit that there's been more than once where I will have gotten a job, but the job was all consuming and it didn't allow me the opportunity to be able to keep up with people either virtually or in person. I mean, for example, I'd spent most of the last two years as a tour manager. So I was on the road 
most days of the year, even over the pandemic. So it made it difficult to kind of keep up with people. But when I did have breaks between tours, I try to, you know, hit the Rolodex, go through my text messages and catch up with people again, because I think that it's very important to, again, uh, maintain, you know, keep up your relationships, Let's make the connections and maintain them. More than once, some people kind of found that as a disingenuous effort. They thought that there was an ulterior motive in there, which, yeah, like it happens to be a time at which I could use a paycheck. Sure. But also it's important to keep up with the, with people so that, you know, you just ask them what they've been up to and ask about their personal lives and stuff like that. Like you actually care about people because obviously we got to do life together as well as work together. Um, but yeah, it can be kind of a hit and miss of the people that you um, are connecting with, the people that you're making relationships with. But you know, no matter what, no matter what type of response you get, just keeping up, being consistent. Um, I had uh, a friend of mine who's a, um, an executive producer who told me uh, you need to keep being persistent without being annoying. And if you're going to reach out to people, always have something to basically report on. You know, there's got to be something different. Just reaching out to say, hey, is a little it's it's harder to for them to argue actually responding to that and engaging that dialogue versus if you actually have something to report to them, something new, something new that you've worked on, whether it's your own project, a job you've had recently, you know, some sort of an experience you did. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just more a part of that whole, like being your own marketing machine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, um, also it's important that you, be known for doing something, you know, everybody, you know, I, I'd hate to pigeonhole anybody, but like, you know, uh, you know, I think that people, part of your personal brand, and we can talk about this more in the next show um, with personal branding is that like, I think, you know, it, it, there's so many people and you have to network with so many people and keep up, keep everybody in mind and whatnot. It helps that like, you know, you're known for doing like one or two things, like, you know, people know me as the music and sound guy, you know, uh, you know, like, Trevor, what would you want people to think that you're like known for? Like what, 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 uh, what's, what's your thing? I think everybody needs to find their thing and advertise that and, and emphasize that. Do you know what I mean? If you ask people at this point, it's me with uh, theme parks and cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look at your social media, it's just uh, like, you know, drink around the world. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's, it's benchmarking. Sure. <laughs> That's what it'll, pay, it'll pay off one day when you're hired as like the chief mixologist. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. To be fair, well, is I a think hobby it, that I got into over the pandemic. Well, let's uh, let's let's wrap things up. Everybody have some some final thoughts uh, before we wrap it up today and and uh, start to think about personal branding for next next week's. Who wants to go first? Melody, go first. What are so my final thoughts? Final thoughts. <laughs> um, I want to say that freelancing is hard. Um, freelancing is not for everybody. And if you get yourself into freelancing uh, and you realize that it's really not for you, that's okay. And everybody, I want to also say that like everybody goes through ebbs and flows and throughout their whole life too. And I want to say like, you don't have to, once you go freelance, you're not committing to freelance forever. If you take a full-time job, you're not committing to a full-time job forever. Like you can always change your mind and change your lifestyle because that's really what you're choosing to do right now is if you're choosing a freelance to be a freelancer, you're choosing that lifestyle. If you're choosing a full-time job, part-time job, contract job, it's another lifestyle. And I just want to say that like, be easy on yourself. And if freelancing is not for you, it's okay. Just transition into the other things and find the things that suit your lifestyle in that time of your life, because it will change. And that's, that's what I want to say. I hope that I helps. That, that's really good <laughs> advice. I agree 100% with that. That's great. Thank you. No. Kira. Uh, sure. I mean, I think if, if, if I could have one humble request to, to people who are in the in position of hiring, um, it, it would be like, if I, I know your lives are busy, but if you can, you know, really try to improve communication with the people you're looking for and the, and the connections you're making, I think that makes things better for everyone. And and if it does take a little bit of extra effort, but if we can all, and then I think it both goes both ways too, you know, 
But if we can improve our communication and transparency, like I think that will help a lot, everyone a lot. Another good point. Thanks, Kieran. Very good. Teddy, what are your thoughts? I think my, my thing is since graduating everything, one of the things that's kind of been reinforced the pandemic and trying to get into the industry since second grade, it was okay. I felt like I was a real estate developer, my whole family, my whole business, I grew up like on construction sites and everything. But when I found out like people got to create these places that you can escape and everything, it like blew my mind. Right. And one of the things during the pandemic that it kind of reminded me of is like how lucky everyone is to be able to be in this industry and create those things and those places. Like when you, even when I go to like Disneyland or theme park stuff and I see like a kid come off of a ride and they're like excited or like Spider-Man comes over to them and they're like, this is really Spider-Man stuff. I don't know. Just for me, like, even though it's been difficult over the past few years and trying to get it just like that, trying to remind yourself that like what you're doing and like what, why we're all in this and especially like with all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world that like just having places and experiences that people get to go to and kind of just relax for the day and just be with their family and friends and everything. Uh, I think like a lot, if we can just like remember that while we're stressing out one of those things, I think that's just super important. I hope anyone out there, especially someone who might be my age, similar, trying to get in and been stressing, like, where do I go? Do I go back to my, get my master's? Like do this? How do I get a call with that? Like, don't forget like why you wanted to get in here and uh, you know, just remember that, you know, just it'll kind of keep you and push you to keep trying to get into the industry. Another really great thought. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Teddy's my Trevor. favorite animal. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, <laughs> Trevor, you, 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 you brought us all here today. What's your, what are your final thoughts? I think that, um, cause I'm still a student at all this as well. I think that, um, and Andy can attest to this because he's more than once given me notes and feedback on stuff. But I think that when it comes to things like job hunting, um, I know that I can always learn. I mean, things are always changing and I know that I can always learn and do better. Um, I think that one thing that I'm constantly in evolution on is specifically in that social media presence. Um, I know that resume requirements are always changing. You know what recruiters like to see, how to you know basically trick computer algorithm, algorithms. So it's a constantly evolving thing, and it's something that I've kind of trained my mindset to of knowing how to always be good at looking for uh, for a job. Um, and then I think I just kind of want to echo um, what Kira has said about uh, I think that if I were to make one ask uh, of companies or those with hiring power, it's just I know. It, adds more work um but if it's possible to have even if it's like a generic kind of thanks but no thanks you know automated email some sort just communication um communication is like no matter what type of a relationship it is communication is huge um if not most important and i think just even if it is a denial or a things are on hold just keeping up with people is um is huge and makes a world of difference it helps people's mental health for sure Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I'd like to see that as well. And I I should you know I'm you know going to try to do better with that myself in light of our conversation. But you mentioned the computer alg algorithms. Um, last year, I applied for a job for the first like a real job, like a job job, um, sitting at a desk at a company uh, for the first time in I don't know, over twenty years, and I had no idea about like the, all the computer algorithm pre-selection process, you know, sorting the computer AI, sorting resumes and whatnot. I had no idea about that. I was just like, I'm just going to write a cover letter and here's my list of credits. That's all you need. Because like, you know, if I were to put a resume, it's just going to be like, what? Like, it's just going to be a list of credits because I haven't worked for a company that wasn't my own in 25 years or so. So like I... I found out, you know, actually, um, Jason McManus informed me of, of how this whole thing works. And I was like, oh, that's uh, <laughs> probably even though I was the exact like, you know, there were only a handful of people in the world who could actually do the job. And I was one of them. Uh, they probably didn't see me because I didn't do it correctly. And I didn't know what I didn't know about applying for a job in a corporate position like that and <laughs> you know i'm still learning too i'm 48 years old and i've been doing this for 25 years and like well, i learned something and it's a bummer that i had to learn it that hard way you know mm -hmm. but um yeah i think that uh never be afraid to ask for advice i think is a really good one too and to you know sort of be persistent and never give up 
Heck yeah. Well, cool. this is only, like I said, guys, this is only going to be the first uh, half of a, of a two-part conversation. So next week is going to be uh, another big conversation where we're talking about just personal branding. So a lot of the stuff that we got to touch on here, specifically in the world of social media, um, we're going to touch on next week. Um, so that'll be another big one. Uh, hopefully for a lot of the open-ended things we kind of brought up today, we can get some some resolution to them next week. Um, but otherwise, really- thanks everyone for being here. Really quick, one last word. I want to address Damien's question. CJ, if you can bring up Damien's last question there. Um, here's one thing I've learned about resumes right now and applying for jobs is that in your cover letter and at your on your resume somewhere, you need to regurgitate the job, the job description in the, um, the job ap- uh, application thing. Whatever the job description is that you're for the job you're going after, just put it right back on your cover letter and in your resume. And apparently that's what tricks the computer. So that's what I've learned. Actually, one other, one other hack I have, I have learned is like, it is possible to, if you can apply for as many jobs as you possible, just you can get yourself into the system and get someone to reach out to you that's on the recruiting end. You mm. can often therefore have their contact information from that point on. And then the other future thing you apply for, you can email the recruiter and be like, "Hey, can you put my make sure someone sees my resume?" And they'll and they'll like pop the flag or whatever so that your resume at least gets eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, Damon, it is just like sixth grade English class. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, you guys. We'll have more about that next week in personal branding. I think we can uh, touch on on the job search and like the more technical stuff behind that and and all that good stuff. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Trevor. Melody, Kira, and Teddy. You guys are great. See you soon. Thanks, everybody.